What is up? Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Presented by SodaSoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, contributor to SodaSoccer.com and, of course, the co-host of this podcast, Mr. Dominic Jose Mazzonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great. Been enjoying the international break as it continues. I'll, I'll use this opportunity, my little slot here, to shout out the uh, Anduilla national team who got yes. two points. They're, I believe their first ever and then second ever point in uh, Nations League while wearing some stimulus kits. Absolutely. Uh, both games it's were against Dominica, I believe. So yep. uh, shout out to them for that. But yeah, doing great. Just epitomizing the look good, feel good, play good concept. I mean, getting the right kits is is the first step in your journey to uh, conquering your your nation's league dreams. Evidently, so um, if you're if you're a fellow uh, team or club listening to this and kind of want to take that same trajectory in your footballing experience, uh, make sure you head over to our friends at StimulusAthletic.com. More on them as the podcast progresses and more on a lot of different topics down. We have a lot to combat Minnesota Aurora gets their first two wins in franchise history. We had a big match with Minneapolis city and St. Croix uh, part two of the uh, twin cities derby, if you will, where there were six goals. So a lot to cover there. Um, of course, Minnesota United on the international break. We'll get you tuned in to uh, you know, what's happening with all the loons on the international break. And then on top of all that, you have the NPSL, the UPSL, the WPSL, the WPASL. It's just all its all happening right now, Dom, and we will get into all of it on this episode of 10K. But we're going to start with Minnesota United. They play a match this weekend, Dom. Uh, it is not a match that really counts for much, but it is very cool to have a Bundesliga two-side coming to Allianz Field in SC Paderborn. Uh, they will be playing... Uh, Minnesota United, and then actually going to Madison to play forward Madison too. So a little northern Midwestern tour for the German side uh, there, which is which is really cool. And these friendlies have been a lot of fun in the past. I was at the Aston Villa friendly. Uh, I almost said Austin Villa. Uh, Aston Villa <laughs> friendly a couple of years ago. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the friendlies against the, the likes of Pachuca and, and other teams, you know, I've heard nothing but positive, uh, you know, reactions to those experiences the atmosphere in the stadium if you're going and you've never been to a friendly before it's going to be a lot different than your normal match but you know it's an opportunity i hear you know a lot of of the wonder wall supporters who go say you know actually get to go sit over by the beer hall for these types of matches or you know just get to like, take in a more different experience than kind of the intensity of a regular minnesota united match day which is pretty cool yeah you know i know there's some people that that, that don't like the casualness of, of friendlies, but I think there's a place for it in the game. And, and like you said, it provides the opportunity to um, maybe have like a, I mean, soccer games are always a social experience, but it's a little bit yeah. more of a social experience in the sense that you're just yeah. like, we're all kind of here just to see what happens and yeah. have a nice time, have a nice afternoon. Um, and uh, and it's great that Minnesota United has, has managed to, to get a really nice, cast of visitors over the last couple of years um not that they ever didn't have a nice cast of visitors but you know recently there's been some some pretty well-known teams from some pretty well-known leagues and countries coming by which is great um and yeah it'll be really interesting to see what they make of of this games against sort of a <laughs> upper level second division german side paderborn who they've been in the bundesliga relatively recently but uh, otherwise been sort of a, a medium to high performing side in the second tier and I think that'll be a really interesting test for Minnesota United. 
yeah, they were sort of in that in that conversation of clubs who could get promoted this season. They finished seventh in the Bundesliga two, uh, just nine points out of a promotion playoff spot. So they were kind of right there again in that in that conversation. As you mentioned, last in the Bundesliga in 2019-2020, where they did finish dead last to get relegated. Uh, we will go into the details of this friendly dom, who we can expect to play for Minnesota United side, uh, what we want to see out of it from the club. Uh, we will get into all of that during this week's 10K stoppage time. Uh, we'll also introduce you a little bit more to SC Paderborn as well. So um, if you're looking for that, it's available right now, patreon.com slash soda soccer. Just a little bonus segment as a thank you to those who uh, you know are supporters and super subs over on our Patreon. So if you want to get involved and you want to consume that content, you want to support us, just go to patreon.com slash soda soccer, get involved for as low as $5 a month. Um, in addition to there being a Minnesota United friendly, um, there are some Minnesota United players who are off uh, playing international uh, soccer right now during this international break. Um, and some of the notable performances that we've seen so far, uh, we were, you know, wondering kind of what Malik Khan's uh, role would be with Trinidad and Tobago, the MNUFC2 player who is off playing for his home country. Um, he played 53 minutes in a 2-1 loss to Nicaragua and a 1-0 uh, win over the Bahamas. So he's getting on the field, obviously, um, you know, contributing in that 1-0 win. Uh, Kervin Ariaga for Honduras played a full 90 in their 1-0 win over Curacao and then 45 in a 2-1 loss to Curacao. Uh, Robin Lund started both Nations League matches for Finland, 78 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Bosnia and Herzegovina, and then 67 minutes in a 2-0 win over Montenegro. Uh, our friend Andy Grader over at the Pioneer Press tweeted out a nice clip of him uh, getting involved in, I believe it was a goal in the Bosnia and Herzegovina match, um, setting things up there. And I mean, just, just another look at, even on the international stage, Robin Lund um, is absolutely a vital contributor to his club. And then uh, Michael Boxall made a brief cameo in New Zealand's 1-0 friendly loss to Peru. Obviously, we expect him to play a much more uh, uh, important role uh, in their, uh, you know, once they get to that uh, World Cup qualifier uh, against Costa Rica a little bit later on in the international break. Uh, Bangi Kalangwani and South Africa have yet to play at the time of recording. We're recording this early Thursday afternoon. They have a 2 p.m. kickoff. Uh, for their kind of international break opener. So you will know what the result of that was and kind of what Bongi's uh, uh, contribution was uh, by the time you hear this. But as as the time we're recording, we we do not know. Uh, uh, and then Dane St. Clair, this might be the biggest story coming out of, uh, coming into the international break here, at least from a Minnesota United perspective. Uh, Dane St. Clair in Canada did not play in their scheduled friendly with Panama over the weekend. And as a protest, for greater World Cup compensation, uh, evidently they get a very, very low percentage of the of the pie, if you will, that is split between the players and the actual governing body of Canadian soccer. Uh, so they're asking for a bit of a greater, uh, uh, bigger piece of that pie. And also a demand for equal pay for the women's national team as well. Obviously, we've seen that movement here in the States that has inspired similar movements in other countries, um, Canada uh, notwithstanding there. And then... Uh, the team also skipped training last weekend prior to the match as part of that sort of uh, labor dispute, if you will. Uh, but they did get they did get back on the pitch Monday to prepare for tonight's as we're recording uh, Nations League match against Curacao. So again, another match you'll know the result of uh, by the time you listen to this. But 
Um, you know, Dane kind of finds himself in the middle of this and sort of part of this on the player's side. And at least from a CONCACAF standpoint, this is sort of the, the story that's, that's dominated the headlines during this international break. And, uh, you know, Canada, um, you know, I, I didn't, to be honest, didn't know much about kind of how things were split prior and, and what things were like. But obviously those players want, want uh, you know, what they deem as more appropriate value for what they're bringing and considering that the profile of Canadian soccer has risen so much just in the last year. It's hard to argue. Right. That's, you know, the interesting thing about this is that over the last year, maybe even two years, there's been such a, a global storyline, even sort of outside of the, the bubble of North America about how much Canada has improved. And obviously they've uh, made the world cup since, uh, and, and it's been a lot of positive discussion about what they're doing on the pitch, but now we're maybe realizing that behind the scenes, things were not uh, quite as as uh, calm and calm and concentrated as we thought. You know, that perhaps there was some more drama than we realized, uh, which is unfortunate. But you know, I, I'll say that uh, the things that they are protesting with their decision not to play Panama, I, I think their causes most people would at the very least sympathize with. Um, and so, you know, hopefully that sends some sort of message uh, to the Federation to, to, to deal with those discrepancies and deal with those issues and, um, and figure out a, a better model in terms of how money's being distributed. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how not playing that game against Panama impacts, you know, their, preparedness for for this match against Curacao but uh you know that's obviously a, a risk that they would have been aware of ahead of their decision so uh and and for what it's worth I think Canada would still be favorites to to get a result there um but yeah you know it it's unfortunate when these sorts of things have to happen uh but at the same time it's it's encouraging to see uh, a group of athletes be mature enough to decide that they need they're going to be the ones to make it happen and uh, and hopefully their efforts are 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 result result in some change. And despite what you all may think, Dominic and I are not experts on uh, soccer labor negotiations. So that's probably <laughs> where we're going to end our our talk for now. We'll let smarter minds than ours uh, continue that conversation. And of course, we'll be amplifying those messages as well, um, especially as they. Uh, relate to to Dane specifically and his role with the Canadian national team but uh, you know we did mention that they they were back in training are planning to play those meaningful uh, Nations League games during this international window but kind of going back to all the players as a whole uh, Adrian Heath was interviewed in training this week or was was asked a question in training this week kind of how he's viewed his team's performance and he's those he goes you know as the I'm paraphrasing here basically said as the manager of this club all I'm worried about is them getting back. It's great that they're there. I'm going to advocate for them being there. But all in all, I want them to come back in one piece. I want them to come back, not hurt, not injured, you know, fit and ready to, to play for us when they return. And so far, knock on wood, so good in that department. Yeah, yeah. obviously from his perspective at the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, I, you know, I, I do uh, love seeing players have the opportunity to to – have experiences with their national team and and represent their countries. I think that's a really important part of a lot of players' journey. So you know, I, I think that's that's wonderful. But but yeah, obviously from a Minnesota United perspective, it's it's more about well, that's nice, and I hopefully you know it doesn't get in, in the way of our plans and what we need from these players. Uh, and yeah, like you said, so far everything seems fine. 
I uh, haven't, haven't heard anything to suggest otherwise. I think, you know, uh, I know um, Ariaga came off early, relatively early in that, that second game for Honduras, but I think that was because the game wasn't going well. I don't think that had anything yep. to do with his health. Uh, and otherwise, you know, everyone's just kind of been playing very standard amounts of time, seems, seems healthy. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the of all the players that that have played so far, and we'll see we'll see how Bondi does today. But um, I will say that Malik Khan's contributions were very encouraging. Trinidad and Tobago didn't have a great window, but um, seeing a, a young guy get that opportunity with his national team at while he's still sort of developing at the club level as well is is very encouraging. I think we were both kind of wondering like maybe he'd get like ten minutes in one of those games and. Between the two games, he ended up getting about an hour, so that's that's really encouraging to see, um, and uh, and you know hopefully that that's the start of a, a long journey for him with uh, with Trinidad and Tobago and and yeah, like you said again with Robin Lord, it's a reminder that for for all the ups and downs that people's opinions have with him at Minnesota United, this guy's just like this whole time at, on the side been a starter for a, a European country. Um, where, by the way, his positional role varies as much as it does at Minnesota United. Um, that's his curse, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for any questions that there may be about his quality, although I think those questions are probably a lot quieter these days, uh, you know, Finland are having some of the best, last couple of years, some of the best form they've ever had as a national team, and he's right in the middle of it, uh, which is, you know, a great reminder of what, what he can bring to the pitch. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, it was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Again, more on uh, the Minnesota United friendly this weekend against SC Paderborn over on patreon.com slash soda soccer. It's our 10K stoppage time bonus segment this week. But here on the regular 10,000 pitches podcast, we will now go over to the lower league side and USL League 2 specifically, where it was part two of the Twin Cities Derby. Minneapolis City erased a 2-0 late first half deficit in St. Uh, Stillwater. I almost said St. Paul. It was in Stillwater. Uh, they ended up taking the lead early in the second half, but St. Croix equalized late to secure a 3-3 draw. This was a wild match, which featured two comebacks, a goalie injury and switch, and a red card. Um, you like to see this excitement, uh, you know, 
goalie injury and switch. Maybe you don't like to see that so much, but there's cutbacks, there's drama, there's, there's, uh, you know, deficit switches, a lot of goals, um, definitely exciting stuff. And, and, uh, good to see that excitement coming in the form of a, uh, you know, uh, such a big match between two local teams. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting little, little details out of, out of this match. I mean, it doesn't get, uh, especially from a neutral perspective, it doesn't get much better in terms of, uh, neighboring clubs meeting as you get a goal literally in the first minute uh from yep. from, from, from telvin va and then you know the, the that last equalizer i'm blanking on the exact minute of it but quite late um in in the match so i mean really action literally from start to finish Absolutely. Uh, city from what i recall <laughs> i i did watch the stream of this match city had a, a chance to actually win yet again right at yeah. the end that didn't didn't go in so yeah, just just a wild one. Uh, very fun. Uh, uh, great to see Saint Croix continuing to to make something of the of the form that they're in. Albeit they probably didn't want a three three draw on the night, but no. uh, yeah. you know overall uh, to have uh, five points uh, this far in the season, I imagine is 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 something they're happy about. Certainly. Uh, positives for City to, to walk away with in terms of their ability to fight back, get into the match, and and get something out. You know, it's their second point in USO League Two now, so that's you know every point matters, and, and that's that's great for them. Uh, a, a quick shout out for for this game for uh, folks that really pay attention uh, is that uh, Brian Vang sort of made his return to competitive soccer in this game. He played yeah. basically the, the whole second half of the match. He, uh, of course, is a former professional, played for the Michigan Stars in, in NISA, and he's uh, retired more or less from professional soccer due to injuries. But uh, And, of course, he's the brother of Michael Vane as well. Uh, so great to see him, uh, his debut for the, for the team, for, the, for, the, uh, for St. Croix. Uh, great to see him dead in the mix there. But, yeah, uh, really wild match. <laughs> Uh, almost. I mean, credit to Carter for writing a good article about it, but it's it's such a wild match that it's almost hard to know what to say about it because there's so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did a good job, yeah. I think, of uh, kind of uh, trying to hit the high points, but there were so many high points that it's like, right. man, it was pretty lengthy. But it, yeah, I agree. But yeah, you know, again, I, I think uh, good response or, or a, a good. From a Minneapolis City perspective, it's good to get a point on the road in this league. That yeah, that's what absolutely. they can take from it. They would have they had a chance to get more, but it worked out the way it worked out. That's what you know. That's that's the silver lining they'll take from it. Um, from Saint Croix, yeah, probably disappointed in in that sort of middle half hour uh, of soccer. Albeit there were some other factors with the injuries and all that, um, but. Uh, again, for, for them to be doing as well as they're doing points-wise in a season where I think most people probably expected them to be one of the the, le- the lesser-performing teams in in this conference, I, I think that's plenty to be happy about. Um, and at least on social media, you know, they, I, their posts and all that about this game were, were largely positive about, like, hey, you know, good fight, good effort. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, really, really, you know, St. Croix has been a really interesting story this season just in general because I don't know if anyone really knew what to expect out of them. And, and they've proven to be uh, quite quite a team to, to play against. You know, they're, they're quite a quite an obstacle for, for folks to play against. So yeah. re- very encouraging for them. 
Yeah, there've really been no uh, no easy walkovers for uh, teams playing Saint Croix. Uh, you know, Des Moines been dominating everybody, uh, but even Saint Croix had a had a lead in the second half of that match. So, um, and but on the Minneapolis City side, yeah, I mean, look, you would like to be, you know, f- further up the table than where you are, but at the end of the day, in this one, you're down two 0 on the road, and you come back to salvage a point. I think there's a lot to take away from that, especially because we were talking about this just last week, Dom. When were they actually going to give uh, Loish Masanvi an opportunity with the USL League Two side. Well, he got that opportunity, and he, t- t- what do you know, made the most of it here. <laughs> Two goals in this match for the kid who started at the at the Futures team and is actually still playing at the UPSL uh, when the when the schedule allows. But obviously, really has solidified himself as that NPSL USL League Two guy that's always going to be in the 18 for probably the highest uh, team, and uh, you know wherever he can fit in. So. Right. Um, Good to see his continued development. Eli Goldman gets on the board for the Crows as well. Uh, but you mentioned Telvin Ba uh, scoring early on for St. Croix. He has been a huge, huge attacking contributor for this team in the early going. Uh, Dylan Olson uh, gets a goal in the, the first half as well. And then as far as the equalizer, that came in the 78th minute off the foot of Captain Victor Goldman for St. Croix. So a lot of excitement in this match. Uh, 3-3 draw, as you would expect. Uh, and, and both teams have a lot to you know look forward to here. Um, as we look at this, Minneapolis City now uh, goes to Des Moines to play the Menace, so it doesn't get easier, but an opportunity to you know try to turn the tide uh, against uh, the best team in the league and potentially in the country in Des Moines. And then St. Croix has a little bit of time off after this one. Uh, they'll be hosting Des Moines on June 18th. So that's what's coming up next in USL League 2. But now we will go over to the W League, and we'll talk about Minnesota Aurora, the first two wins. In franchise history, the first of those coming against Caw Valley, 2-0 last Thursday. Um, it was Duluth native Anna Meyer in goal for Caw Valley, too. So we'll talk a lot about Aurora, obviously, but did want to mention that we did have a Duluthian uh, in goal for the opposition. Um, but I think we've solidified kind of for Minnesota Aurora who are going to be those vital contributors over these first few matches. And there are a lot of them, uh, but... I look at these notes here, Dom, and Mariah Wynn is just a name that keeps popping up over and over, whether she is making something happen, scoring a goal, getting an assist. Um, You know, she is the one who's consistently making the attack happen for this team. Uh, Huge contributor. But we'll start off with this Call of Valley match, and it started in the 13th minute where we thought Mariah Wynn actually got on the board. Uh, She fires a shot that hits the underside of the bar. There's some disagreement on whether or not it crossed the goal line, but it's ruled no goal. In the 40th minute, when again breaks through the defense, finds an open uh, Yelena Zabilic uh, for the tap in there and a 1-0 lead. And then uh, Maya Hansen gets a little loose off a throw-in in the 54th and sends a nice pass across the box to Morgan Stone. Doesn't miss from there. And that solidifies that 2-0 win. Um, we saw a lot on social media after this game. A lot of congratulations to the team for that first franchise win. But, you know, when you take away the spectacle of it, you look at these first couple matches, you draw 1-1 at home against the Green Bay side that is looking to be really, really good as well. I mean, it's Aurora and Green Bay battling at the top of the table right now. But then you go on the road for this 1,200-mile road trip, and you kick things off with a 2-0 win against a Call Valley team that wasn't really necessarily a walkover. Uh, they had some good opportunities in this match as well. Um, just very, very positive start for Aurora. We were wondering if the on-field product was going to match all the hype. It seems to so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if nothing else, that question has has been answered, and and, and furthermore, in the in the next match we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, I mean, they Aurora have come out very competitive. Obviously, getting points, only occasionally looking troubled. Uh, you know that that one one draw with Green Bay, who, as you mentioned, have have ended up looking like quite a good side as well. You know that was a match that Aurora actually controlled much of, and and maybe got a little unlucky. Uh, not getting all three points there. So both those sides are just playing at a very high level, which is very exciting to see, um, obviously, from that sort of Minnesota-Wisconsin perspective. Uh, but yeah, again, it's great to see Aurora show as much quality on the pitch as they've shown off it. You know, Having quality off the pitch is fun uh, as onlookers, and it's fun to have teams that have good branding and, and fun social media and all that sort of stuff. But I think... Uh, you know, we're aware of the fact that sometimes teams do that. And then when they play, it doesn't quite match the excitement on Twitter and Instagram. And, and that can be a problem, uh, especially when you're asking people to pay to, you know, see your games and buy your merch. So um, great to see them not so far falling into that. And, and yeah, again, you know, uh, so many pieces, like you mentioned, so many pieces are actually already emerging now that we've seen a, some considerable amount of minutes. Uh, defensively, offensively, in the midfield, there's goalkeeper with Sarah Fuller. You know, you you have a lot of pieces that are already really emerging, um, impressive just in the terms of this roster, and and already are being talked about as some of the top top uh, top prospects in in the, the league this year. So, um, just really really great to see that that this project, which many people have hoped would be this uh, this great moment for women's soccer in Minnesota. Look, it's great to see it actually play out that way so far. Yeah. Uh, really encouraging. Definitely. And then to wrap up the road trip, they made the trip to St. Louis from the Kansas city area. And it was, this is a bit of a, more of a dog fight um, than the previous two nil match, but it ended up being three, two in favor of Aurora. Uh, we had goals from uh, Maya Hansen, then uh, Mariah Wynn, the aforementioned, and then wrapping things up was uh, Kenzie Langdock uh, for the three goals. Chloe Netzel got both goals for St. Louis City. Um, Aurora took a 2-0 lead in the match. Uh, Netzel cut it in half just before the halftime break. And then when the when Aurora was up 3-1 to one with just minutes left in the match, Netzel got another one to make things interesting. But all in all, ended up 3-2 in favor of Aurora. So you get those two wins. Now when you look at the table, um, you're talking about Green Bay is at the top right now because they have played one more match. They kind of, <coughs> excuse me, Aurora has the game in hand right now, uh, but that's what puts Green Bay at the top. So Green Bay, 3-0-1, uh, Aurora, 2-0-1. And when you look at the nationwide power rankings here, Dom, uh, it's it's Green Bay, ninth, Minnesota Aurora, eighth. So you're talking two of the top teams uh, in the eyes of USLW league and the voters in these, in these power rankings. And we've, we've talked plenty about power rankings over the course of this podcast, Dom, and how we, how we feel about them, but it's cool to look at, especially when you don't have a lot of context on how these teams actually fall in the nation, you know, the nationwide scheme of things. It can at least give you some sort of direction. And with uh, Aurora eighth and green Bay ninth nationally, um, very, very cool to have that local representation and that quality in that local representation. Um, happening in the grand scheme of the entire league. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I will say as a, as a brief note uh, in terms of power rankings, one thing I do like often about lower league power rankings, whether they come out of uh, the NPSL, USL League 2, or you know, now USLW League, they actually tend to be a lot more literal. 
than yeah. uh, what you see in MLS. They usually are like the 10 teams that kind of have the best run. Yeah. You know, that, that, so seeing them in there actually to me is a more genuine literal expression of their, of their quality so far than when you see like a team that's like sits places out of the playoffs at the top of the MLS power rankings. You don't need to take uh, it with an 800 pound grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I think it's actually like a nice little accolade for them to, to for both those teams to be to be tracking. Um, funny enough, I think Green Bay were actually higher last week. We I don't think we checked, but and they, they actually dropped, even though they won their game. But you know, I, I think other teams were just had really good weeks, and so that got moved around. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, great, great to see both these teams doing well in terms of their conference and just overall, clearly some of the better performing sides in the league. I think that's you know. I, Obviously, you want the USLW League to just do well, and that'd be great. But of course, you want it to also have some sort of positive impact, specifically on 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 the places that that we as Soda Soccer kind of care about in soccer, and that being mostly Minnesota and to a degree Wisconsin. And so, uh, to see the two teams from those two states that are really representing those states at this level, to see them be some of the best in the country so far is uh, is really exciting. It's really great. It's what you want to come out of this project for both of those teams. So uh, yeah, really exciting, really interested to see how the rest of the season plays out. I mean, you got these two teams, Green Bay and Aurora, who are performing very well. They played each other once, ended in a draw and you know, how they, how they do on the other leg of that match. And, and obviously against the rest of the conference is obviously, you know, who knows, maybe we see Aurora uh, overlap Green Bay. Maybe we see Green Bay stay top, um, but setting up a really exciting season, which is great. Yeah, it's a doubleheader now for Aurora coming up this weekend at TCO Stadium. Friday and Sunday, games against Chicago City. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow, I'm getting all choked up thinking about it. Uh, doubleheader against Chicago City, one on Friday, one on Sunday. Tickets still, av- still available. Wow, words. Uh, let me try that again. Doubleheader this weekend for Minnesota Aurora at TCO Stadium uh, against Chicago City SC. The first one is Friday night. The second one is Sunday afternoon. Tickets are still available for both matches. If you want to go check out some Minnesota Aurora soccer this weekend, uh, me and the family will definitely be out there for at least one of those matches. So I'm excited to go actually watch the team in person. Should be another great you know, pair of games, another great pair of atmospheres at TCO Stadium. Uh, we were kind of hoping, you know, that first game, it's so impressive that they were able to get 5,200 fans there. But there's there's the historic nature of it, right? And that's the right. draw. That, that's kind of what's drawing a lot of people as they kind of would want to be part of that. Um, I really really hope that we get that sort of maintaining support and maintaining you know four thousand five thousand plus uh, at at TCO Stadium because I think of kind of forward Madison where they get similar draws, but depending on how the team does and depending on weather and things like that, there have been as low as fifteen hundred people at Bree Stevens field and that can seem pretty empty and seem pretty barren, but you know uh, when the team is good and when it's a Saturday night and the weather is good, that team could get 4,000 to 4,500 fans there. So um, I'm hoping that that support, that level of support can kind of maintain through the season for Aurora. And it's a shorter season, which I think gives them a bit of an advantage that it's more kind of in that middle of the summer uh, where they're going to get that nicer weather and kids are off school and things like that. So um, all those factors in long way of saying, um, you know, go out and support the team uh, throughout the entire season because uh, it's a good product on the field. It's a good atmosphere at TCO Stadium. You'll have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, you know, we're, we're still going to be still uh, need time to learn about the details of this this fan base that's being created. And and hopefully, uh, hopefully they show up big for for 
all these games. Hopefully, like you said, we get similar numbers. Probably won't get the local celebrities showing up every game and all that. No. And that's not how it works. But, but you know, you don't need that to be a successful team at this level. You just you need people to stick around. And uh, for what it's worth, it seems like this season we might not have to see what the fan bases of either of these teams do when uh, results aren't good. Because so far the results have all been good. Uh, yeah. But. But uh, we'll we'll see if that test ends up coming this season. I, I suppose both of them will hope not. But uh, but yeah, you know, social media wise, the the energy seems to still be there. But uh, we'll we'll have to see and if if that uh, if that holds up. In person. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us. And we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Night Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. I just want to give a shout out to Matthew Johnson. He is the uh, Minnesota Aurora beat writer for SodaSoccer.com. Does an excellent job uh, covering the team and covering the matches. So um, all you got to do is head to the Emmett Aurora section over at SodaSoccer.com and you'll get you'll get covered on everything happening with Minnesota Aurora. Um, and uh, we'll have a little re- weekend recap uh, for you uh, after this weekend's doubleheader against Chicago City. Uh, moving to the NPSL, uh, things continuing to get interesting. Uh, the very, very uh, highly hyped uh, Minneapolis City Duluth match ended up in favor of the Crows as they beat Duluth two to one over at Breck High School, uh, but then lost three two to the Twin Stars. Did Minneapolis City? Um, so a bit of an up and down week for them. Duluth followed up the two to one loss with the three nil win against Joy Athletic. Big win for Minneapolis City. I think we're learning a lot more about the Twin Stars as we move further along in this season. I think they're hitting their stride. They've got a couple of really good results over the last few weeks to kind of put themselves in a position to, if one of those top two teams falters, the Twin Stars could be right there to uh, to snag one of those playoff spots. Um, and then you have the Dakota Fusion getting their second win of the year as well. Uh, and then a 4-4 draw in the D- Dakota Derby with Sioux Falls. Um, and then uh, Med City, would go on to beat Sioux Falls as well. So an up and down week for the neighbors in South Dakota. Uh, and then uh, Sioux Falls and Aris, I believe, was was called off. Or no, Med City and Aris yeah. was called off. Field due conditions. To transfer, uh, not transportation issues, but field condition issues, uh, I guess. So um, Aris has a few games in hand now. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with those matches if they get rescheduled or not moving forward but it does impact the table a little bit because you have teams with games in hand now um 
Mid City at the top. Duluth FC right behind them on 15 points. You have Twin Stars right there, as I mentioned, with 12 points. Uh, Dakota Fusion with a game in hand at eight points. Minneapolis City down with seven. Joy Athletics six. Sioux Falls four. And then Elsie Aris down at the bottom there with three, but they do have two games in hand. So uh, just a, a lot of interesting happenings. Uh, a lot of games getting moved around too, especially when it comes to games with Aris uh, that have kind of caused a little bit of a shakeup at the table. But at the end of the day, the main storyline is Minneapolis City gets the big win, but Twin Stars may get an even bigger win to propel themselves over Minneapolis City into that uh, playoff contention. And uh, things are starting to separate out a little bit, I think. Even though you have games in hand, it really seems to be Med City and Duluth with Twin Stars right there if one of those teams falters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a real quick note uh, on, on the, the Med City Eris game. I've been in contact with Med City and it is not clear whether or not that is going to result as a postponed game or a forfeited game uh, just because the, the field condition issues to, to clarify, it was not because of they got rained out. It was the actual condition of the pitch. So uh, yeah. that is not clear yet if that might result in just in Med City getting a win or not, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was the last, I guess it was like a week, week-ish now um, of results have been crazy. You had Minneapolis City get that big win against Duluth. Um, you know, I, I, I interviewed for the article that came out that, that last weekend. I interviewed uh, City's uh, new head coach this season in the MPSL, uh, Marco uh, Campoverde, and, and he was you know, very happy about the performance, felt like the team managed to do something that they've been trying to do uh, through the year and haven't always quite been able to, to, to get done. And, and obviously that, that rivalry has always been a big part of this, this conference. So that was a, a huge one for them. I think Duluth uh, left uh, rightfully frustrated with their performance up front. Duluth had lots of chances. This game was like a weird, it was almost like this game and the game where the Fusion beat City were almost like alternate universe versions of each other in the sense that yeah. Duluth had tons of chances they wasted. Um, and, and City were just really good with the chances they got, which weren't necessarily a lot, but they just executed them perfectly. Yep, um, and so, you know, but hey, you win games like that. That's not a wrong way to win games. So yeah. big win for them. Unfortunately, then both teams kind of had reverse fortune in their follow-up match. The Twin Stars got that big win that, like you said, really helps them cement some sort of ownership over that third place spot uh, and push away the the challenges of, of Minneapolis City, Dakota Fusion, uh, and then Duluth got that that pretty clean win over over Joy. It was uh, one one nil at halftime, but at the end it, it proved pretty pretty clean. Uh, local local Duluth kid Keegan Chassis got two of those goals. By the way, his first two goals for the for the team. He played with them last year as well. Um, uh, so, you know, they look back in it. Med City, again, we have a little a little lack of clarity in terms of uh, of that Eris result, but they obviously seem like the the other challenger for the title. And uh, it's just a really interesting season that continues to develop. And also that, that Fusion Thunder match was absolutely insane. That yeah. match was 3-0 to the Fusion in the first 30 minutes. And then Sioux Falls went all the way to win it and then an own goal at the very end gave the tie back to the fusion just an absolutely wild wow. match um that at the end i suppose continues the fusion's relatively good run now it's two wins and a draw though i don't know if four four at home is a you know anything that the, that the staff will be happy about but 
uh, yeah, just really wild results. The the table continues to take shape. Like you said, we're kind of getting a sense of who those top three are uh, with City and the Fusion still certainly being within arm's reach of, of joining that. But uh, Twin Stars, I, I have to say, one, one thing I'll note about what I expected the season versus what happened is the Twin Stars are what I thought Joy was going to be this year. Yep. Joy, Joy have had results. You know, they, they've had good games, but obviously it hasn't gone super well for them. Um, they, they've certainly dropped more points than they would have liked and, and had some surprise results where they dropped points. The Twin Stars, you know, I, I think everyone that was paying attention certainly thought they'd have good performances. They had some interesting players coming in, but um, they've just proven so competitive that they haven't been able to get points off Duluth or Med City yet. They've played both those sides once, but against everyone else, they are just proving incredibly dangerous. And, um, you know, in this game against uh, Minneapolis City, all three of their goals came from former Mr. Soccer Minnesotas, uh, two of which from new new, new fella, uh, Siddique uh, Jabate. So, uh, and, and his second goal, the third goal for the Twin Stars was an f- absolutely amazing rocket of a, of a goal uh, past the keeper. So, yeah, you know, the the... The places the Twin Stars are trying to get their talent from are really paying off. That local local talent, sort of the, the folks that maybe aren't getting seen by the other big teams. And uh, really exciting to see them return. To, you know, already this year was going to be a fun return to the NPSL for them, but they've, they've really returned. They've really uh, come back with the intent of the history side that they are. And uh, if, if the Luther Mid-City end up having a rough second half of the season, because by the way, we're not at the halfway point yet, uh, if they end up having a rough second half, Twin Stars are right there, and yep. they they might get a playoff spot. Who knows? Yeah, and th- there's a big match this weekend between the Twin Stars and Dakota. Um, but before I get to that, I want to talk about the Twin Stars? They were the wild card kind of of this whole thing coming in, right? Because they're kind of not brand new, but they had been out of the picture for a few years, and now they're back. Um, so it's hard to know what to expect, and sometimes that wild card can turn up aces. Right. Yeah. Um, this might be more of like a pair of jacks, maybe than a pair of aces, because they're currently uh third in the table. But I mean, this is about as good as you could ask for from your return to the NPSL North for the Twin Stars. Again, a lot of season left. You have defu- you have the fusion there at eight points. They have a game in hand as well. The Twin Stars do not. So that could be an advantage for the fusion, especially if they can get a result against uh the Twin Stars this weekend. And then you have Minneapolis City sitting there on seven points. And obviously, this is not where they envisioned they would be fifth in the table as we're almost to that halfway point. But there's still about five, six weeks left in the season. Uh, still plenty of time to turn it around. Um, we, we've talked about how this Minneapolis City program has a certified baller in Lois Basanvi. So it's it's you know not all doom and gloom. Um, you know, there are a lot of teams that can crawl back up into contention. We know that Minneapolis city has the potential, uh, to do so. They put, we saw the two, one win against Duluth to prove that. Um, but it's going to take a lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of fortune and a lot of, uh, you know, turning the tide, a lot of wins instead of draws, uh, moving forward for Minneapolis city, if they are going to crawl back up, but yeah, it's exciting right now. Kind of seems like a three or four horse race, but as you mentioned, a lot of season, left the other uh matches this weekend you have med city and joy minneapolis city and eris the aforementioned twin stars and fusion and then sioux falls thunder hosting duluth so 
a long road trip for Duluth this weekend as well. Sioux Falls, they've proven to, uh, while they're second to last on the table right now, they've been pretty competitive this season. So we'll see if they can maybe snag a, a couple points from Duluth there. But um, very exciting stuff happening in the MPSL. Same with the UPSL. Um, as Vlora beat FC Minneapolis 1-0. That was a big, big match between two teams that were close to the top of the table. Obviously, Vlora at the top of the table. And then they drew Dakota Young Stars 1-1. So that really, that week, really solidified Vlora's place at the top of the table. I believe they were playing two and three in that week. And they get a win and a draw. Um, and then Minneapolis City, they have, uh, on the UPSL side, the Futures have put themselves in a title contention or playoff contention, I should say, as they beat the Young Stars and Turbo Two big wins to climb up into second place while the Young Stars, Austin Villa, and FC Minneapolis all remain kind of on that on that peripheral for the playoffs in the top spots. And then just last night, you had FC Minneapolis coming back with a uh, with a big 3-2 to two comeback victory over Turbo on the road. Uh, or excuse me, that was at home. That was at FC Minneapolis. So um, I, look, I look at this table and I look at these results, Dom, and it's been the same pretty much every week all season long competitive matches not a lot of runaways in the upsl midwest conference west division uh the consistent has been vlora at the top but there's a lot of teams that are in contention for playoff spots right now yeah absolutely i mean like you said in theory valora are the quote-unquote runaways in the sense that it's been very hard to get much more than a draw against them but all that being said there's two teams that are three points off of them yeah so you know, they're they're far from, uh, you know, when you see some of these leads just all over the world and the team that wins the top wins it by 15 points or something. It's none of that. This is this is very tight. I mean, like, yeah, FC Minneapolis, even even Austin Villa, really not that far off. They don't have enough season left necessarily for me to think that they're going to top Valora. But, you know, there, there are a couple matches left and I could see things getting on a lot tighter than they are right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a really entertaining season. Uh, four or five teams kind of in the race, a little different than last season where it felt like Minneapolis City, uh, two at the time, uh, were were kind of always going to be the top side. This has felt a lot more um, even, I guess, amongst those, yeah. those four to six top sides. And that being said, though, uh, Minneapolis City could very well end up winning this. You know, this could very well be the, the trophy that they do take home this season. Yeah. Um, they, they've had some slow periods where they've dropped points or kind of in that mid-season area but uh they they've certainly recovered from that they're getting those wins again and uh i i think them and valor are kind of the, the two that people should probably be uh in their hopes on in terms of, of of getting it but yeah it's been really entertaining really entertaining to see this mix really entertained by the way to have a title challenge from a team outside of minnesota with the young stars yeah. kind of coming in and mixing things up uh and, and you know austin Villa for that matter as well kind of from outside the twin cities kind of keep things interesting it's just been a really fun uh I, th- I think this season this conference of the upsl which has taken a lot of growth and shaping over the last couple of years it felt like it really turned into something this year in terms of really sh- it really took shape and what it can be as yeah. this really interesting mix of teams who kind of have different, you know, different sizes, different places, different distances, teams that don't necessarily fit into the, the landscape of what we think of and the NPSO or the USO League too, but they found this home in this conference and they just create a really interesting ecosystem, uh, which is really great to see from where the, the UPSL Minnesota was a couple of years ago, where it was a couple of clubs kind of all in the cities and, you know, <clears throat> 
struggling to maybe necessarily find that strength in the rosters. So really great, really great to see it taking shape like this and really interested to see how those last couple of matches go. And if we see Valora win, uh, win that second title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that's, that's 11 clubs. Yes. A lot of them are located right here in the Metro, but you got Austin, Minnesota represented with Austin Villa. You got Rochester, you have you know, you know, Dakota, you have, you know, uh, St. Cloud and Cloud with Granite yeah. City. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's very, very cool to see how kind of how this uh, league has expanded, not only a number of teams, but kind of the, the area that it covers, right. Um, yeah. Really helps the legitimacy of it. Uh, this weekend, you have Rochester hosting FC Minneapolis on Friday night. Then on the weekend, you have Ebisua hosting Brooklyn Knights, looking to kind of get off the schneid in the basement there. Uh, our Ebisua. Um, Austin Villa welcomes Minneapolis City in a very intriguing matchup in Austin. Um, Granite City hosts Dakota Young Stars, and then Vlora and Turbo tangle as well. Um, so again, just another kind of really interesting set of matchups coming up this weekend in the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division. Uh, but now we go over to the WPSL and Sioux Falls City. They've been the story of this conference so far. The new team in town, um, they had, they're had they kind of similar to Aurora, but on a maybe a bit of a smaller scale. They had a lot of a lot of branding and they invested a lot in that brand and trying to make themselves known in the Sioux Falls kind of area around there um, and really have garnered a lot of support. Um, in this two to one win over Mankato United, the club announced that approximately 600 people at its home opener, including staff. So very, very cool, uh, that there was that much support there. Um, and it's nine points now from three games for Sioux Falls city. So not only do they have the support, not only, um, did they come in with a little bit of hype, but similar to Minnesota Aurora backing it up on the field with some really, really good play. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I like you said, I, I think Sioux Falls City is kind of becoming the story of of the season in terms of that Northern Conference and the WPSL. And they're really managing to do something very cool for their area, for for that upper Midwestern presence in the WPSL. Uh, and and that attendance number is is really impressive given how young this team is. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I. Uh, I had tweeted and interacted with the team about this and, and I got a lot of reception from it. You know, I've always thought Sioux Falls was underrated as a place where people like soccer. I, I remember going to um, uh, a Sioux Falls Thunder MPSO game or two over the years and actually always kind of being surprised like, oh, I thought people didn't, I thought they didn't get crowds, but they did. I mean, they got better crowds. They were probably fourth place, maybe third in in the conference that year anyways from what i saw in terms of attendance and i was like why aren't people talking about that i mean they people in sioux falls like soccer there there is a genuine crowd there for the sport uh, that i just think people don't always think about maybe from a more minnesota-centric perspective or something like that but but great to see by the way great to see that extend now to the women's game um that that's that's a huge part of the development of the game there and so yeah sioux falls city have done a great job with branding, really creating a professional identity very quickly. Uh, and and they're doing it on the pitch as well, which is is what matters too, like we said with Aurora. So really cool, really interested to see how they continue to match up with the sort of established powers of this conference in the cities. Obviously, they got that win over Mankato this last uh, this last week, which is, is a great step in that process. But uh, yeah, really cool to just see again that northern 
Midwestern soccer continues to kind of be this this ecosystem with these four states of Wisconsin, Minnesota, and the both the Dakotas. Um, and, and really excited to see how Sioux Falls can continue to grow that. Absolutely. Uh, on the other side, another team dominating early on in WPSL play, the Minnesota Thunder. Uh, there are two matches, two wins, plus 17 goal differential. Tom, you heard me right. Uh, Rochester United and Dakota Fusion both fall to Minnesota Thunder with 6-0 and 11-0 score lines, respectively. So even though Sioux Falls City has been impressive, seems like they'll have a little bit of competition there at the top of the table. Obviously, Mankato was able to give them a good run in that match. And you have Minnesota Thunder doing some things as well. So um, we'll be interested to see when when we get a Thunder-Sioux Falls City matchup or a Thunder-Mankato matchup or the next time Mankato and Sioux Falls are able to tangle in Mankato, kind of how those score lines uh, fall. But very, very interesting at the top of the table. And then a little bit further down to get Rochester United getting their first win 2-0 over Joy Athletic. Uh, and then finally, we'll wrap things up like we always do over in Wisconsin with Wapassel. Um, and some interesting developments this week, Dom. We, I think one of the bigger questions was Union Eau Claire coming into the season. How would they fall into things? They were new, but they didn't seem to be that that sort of, uh, you know, a lot of the newer sides, a lot of the quote-unquote expansion sides in Wapassel over the last few years have, have you know, struggled in their first yeah. couple of years. Thinking of Spartan and Poskin Jets last year specifically. Uh, Union Eau Claire kind of had this 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 air about them that they were not going to sort of fall into that same uh, pattern that they were kind of coming in to make a statement and make a statement they did this weekend. Shocking Hayward, who were at the top of the table. Now it's Union Eau Claire, a three to two win to take the top spot for the newbies. Um, fellow Eau Clarians Bateau are now tied with Hayward for second on six points. So traditionally you've had Bateau and Hayward there at the top, and then you've had either a Lobos or a Baron sort of kind of poke their nose in and, and give one of those teams a run for their money. But now Union Eau Claire really making this sort of three teams at the top that could really, any one of the three could come away with the, with the, uh, with the hardware at the end of the season in this one. It makes it very, very interesting to have another team in that mix. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really cool to see Union Eau Claire come in and, and clearly want to be competitive. And, and you know, this game was not handed to them on a, on a silver plate. Uh, Hayward actually scored first yeah. uh, and had a 1-0 for a little bit. And then uh, Eau Claire jumped up to 3-1 and, and Hayward got a goal at the end. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really impressive. It's the kind of statement win that you need to to realistically interrupt the dominance of, of Hayward and Bateau and it'll be very interesting to see how how Union's Nets match against Bateau ends up going when that happens uh, and certainly how the the Nets match against Hayward goes but uh yeah I mean they, they look like the real deal which is which is awesome you know I think ahead of the season um you know like you said we we, we were aware of the fact that there's a couple of teams that always kind of have the ability to interrupt um that that top two dominance but it's a matter of who does it, and Hayward's roster looks so strong, especially in the attack, which you know I would argue still was the case in this game. They just didn't necessarily defend well enough to to hold their lead. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean it's great to see Union Eau Claire step up and take that role, maybe more so than the teams we thought would do it. Uh, and you know if they manage to hold on to this and and get take it somewhere in terms of uh, title winning, that would be probably one of the sort of wildest. Uh, 
seasons we've had so far in El Paso, which were, which would be great to keep the the growth of that league going. Uh, and and pool, by the way, the idea that you can have two teams at this level in the same city that are actually both quite good. Normally, you know, when, once you have a team in a town, that's going to soak up most of the talent and it's just not going to be really possible for another team to form there and be competitive. But clearly we're seeing that not be the case in Eau Claire and the area around Eau Claire, which is, uh, which is really exciting. Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, very, very exciting stuff happening there. And, and honestly, in every division, you have storylines at every single conference that we cover at Soda Soccer um, that are that are very, very interesting to follow. So make sure you follow us at sodasoccer.com. I'll make sure you're following our friends over at Equal Time Soccer as well. They do an excellent job of covering Minnesota Aurora and everything happening in the women's soccer side with the WPSL. And before we know it, the fall will be right around the corner. And we'll be talking about the Gophers and St. Thomas and college soccer as well. So, um, I think between us and equal time, I think we do a good job of covering the whole uh, the whole Minnesota soccer stratosphere, if you will. So uh, make sure you're following both of us. Make sure you're supporting both our Patreon and theirs if you want to support the coverage. Um, we really, really appreciate that. Speaking of Patreon, head over there right now, patreon.com slash soda soccer, and uh, listen to our 10K stoppage time segment. One little segment that we don't get to on the show, we kind of package up and put for our Patreon supporters and our super subs over at patreon.com slash soda soccer. This week's topic, we're going a little in depth on the SC Paderborn friendly this weekend for Minnesota United. Who's going to play? Who could play? Uh, what does it mean for the club? Who is SC Paderborn? We'll teach you a little bit more about them. So uh, check that out. Patreon.com slash soda soccer for 10K stoppage time. But this is the end of this week's episode of 10,000 pitches. He is Dominic Jose Mazzonio. I am Jeremy Rushing. We will catch you next week. Appreciate and uh, have a great weekend.